Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nets fans. Welcome to the Nets Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington. I've got Dave Nichols on the line. Both of us are from Federal Baseball, and we're here to talk to you, or tuck you down maybe, at the Nationals 10-6 loss to the Padres today. Dave, I've prepared an opening statement that provides some perspective the Nats started today with the lowest ERA in the majors at 2.82 as a team. Mike Rizzo has said not, they're not a perfect team. No team is, of course. They are talking about adding relievers. That being said, we'll get into it. 6-4 Nats going into the eighth inning. We'll start towards the end. Sean Kelly, back-to-back blast by Alex Dickerson and Ryan Schimpf, whose name was spawned. Rich Rance by the Padres announcers who are doing the Bubba Gump shimps thing with him for about 20 minutes during the game. 6-6 game in a hurry at that point. Uh, just a, a rough day for Sean Kelly. I guess we'll start there. Uh, giving up home runs and back-to-back at-bats to blow that lead was kind of tough. Uh, well, why don't we start there? Your thoughts on Mr. Kelly's outing? Yeah, he uh, had a bad day. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, <laughs> um, you know, that, that – has put up good numbers all season long. Um, uh, you know, some days you're the windshield and some days you're the bug. And today, uh, Sean Kelly and, and Jonathan Papelbaum were bugs and they got squashed. Um, you know, you know, baseball fans in general, I think, are um, are quick to react. Obviously, the, the great thing about baseball is, 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 regardless of what happens today, there's another game tomorrow. And, um I think some fans, uh, because of the nature of this fan base having been nothing but a football town for so long, uh, overreact to one game. The baseball season is long. Um, It it, it helps to look at at the the, the longer picture. But you mentioned, uh, you know, the the season numbers of the Nats bringing the lowest uh, ERA for a bullpen squad into the game. Um, uh, I I just think the nature of, of this town-specific fan base has a hard time looking at the long picture and, and dwells too much on the immediacy of today's game. It was one game. It was one game of 162, and yeah, um, the Padres are not a good team in losing two out of three of them um, over the weekend, and uh, you know, were it not for, for one swing in the bottom of the ninth yesterday, they, they could have lost all three. Um, and that's not great, um, but over 162-game period, um, stuff in air quotes, stuff is going to happen, and it happened today. Um, you know, yes, the, the Nats have been looking for bullpen help, and um, and I think it's probably warranted considering, um, you know, considering some of the players in this pen. But um, but long term, they've been very good, and they weren't today. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. So we'll get into some of those rumors because uh, Keith Law in particular tweeted out what he had heard the potential return other teams want for their uh, best closers. So uh, I don't like it. Let's put it that way, but we'll stick with this game for now. Uh, what I think was actually the biggest turning point in this game was in the eighth inning after they uh, gave up the lead. Daniel Murphy comes up, doubles on a fly ball to Matt Kemp, as I put it in here, an, an incomplete catch by Matt Kemp who, who got to the ball, got it in his glove, and then lost it as he was sliding along the grass there. Apparently not a catch if you lose it when you're uh, – risk gets turned backwards and you're sliding over your stomach on the grass, but when Wilson Ramos grounds out in the next at-bat, moves Murphy over to third with one out, you should be able to score him at that point. 
uh, Ryan Bookter intentionally walks Anthony Rendon to get to Chris Heisey, who pops out on a pitch that looks like a ball to me, but pops out to a foul territory off first base. Michael A. Taylor comes up next with another chance there to drive in the run, but strikes that swing on a ball up in the zone. The Nationals come up empty there. Jonathan Papelbon comes on in a tie game in the ninth, as I saw you mention on Twitter, his third day in a row on the mound, uh, gets the first out, but issues a walk to Will Myers. Matt Kemp strikes out swinging, but a wild pitch on that strike gets away from Wilson Ramos, allowing uh, Myers to move into scoring position. And, of course, he scores. And the next at-bat, you know, Jervis Solarte, singles to center, uh, brings in the go-ahead run there, 7-6. to six. Things fell apart after that. Back-to-back singles load the bases. Alexei Ramirez clears them with a double, 10-6 to six at that point. And it just got ugly quickly, but... A different game altogether if the Nationals drive in Murphy there and get that run to go in with a lead there instead of a tie game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you go back to the bottom of the eighth there, and, uh, you know, you got a runner third with less than two outs in, in a tie ball game. Um, you got to get that run home. But the, the problem is is that um, the, the, the Nats are, are depleted. I mean, um, you know, Chris Heisey has, has done a decent job for the Nats all season long as a pinch hitter, but. Um, but if he were any better, he'd be starting somewhere, and he's not. Um, chased a bad pitch, popped it up, um, and then Michael Taylor uh, continues to swing at anything that he can, that he thinks his bat can reach. And um, when you're when you're striking out 34% of your at bats, um, that's not a consistent major league bat. That's a a part-time player at best, um, and he's continu- going to continue to be marginalized um, if you're going to swing at a ball above your head. Um, in the bottom of the eighth inning with a runner on third base. It's just, it's, um, you know, he's, I was having a, um, a debate on Twitter with, with a fan about this. Um, not only does, does he have holes in his swing, meaning he swings and misses at, at strikes a lot, um, he also has a bad eye, which means he's swinging and missing at balls that aren't strikes a lot too. Um, and that's a bad combination. I mean, Michael Taylor, uh, you know, has a lot of tools. He's, he's, he's very athletic. Um, he's, a, he's a very good defender. Um, you know he's got he's got good pop he's got good speed but um, in order to succeed at the major league level you have to make contact at a more consistent uh, rate and he's just not doing it. Um, you get to the ninth inning and I, it was entirely predictive what happened to Jonathan Papelbon today, uh, pitching for the third day in a row, uh, pitching you know for the third day in a row in, in heat. Um, you know he wasn't uh, you know he, he was able to lock it down the other day but but still wasn't particularly sharp. And we said all season long, Jonathan Papelbon doesn't have the stuff to blow people away anymore. He's got to rely on on guile and location. And when he's not, um, you know, when he's not hitting his spots perfectly, he's going to give up a lot of solid contact. The pitch to to Solarte um, was a meatball right in the middle of the plate at at, at 86 miles an hour. Um, you know, it was a slide, it was supposed to be a slider that didn't slide. It moved. It sat right there, and it ended up being batting practice. Um, you know, the Alexi Ramirez, who ended up with a double, um, clubbed a 400-foot uh, foul ball two pitches earlier, so he was all over Papelbon as well. Obviously, the stuff has diminished, and um, as we've said time after time on the show, when when Papelbon isn't hitting his spots, um, when it isn't hitting his spots precisely, uh, he's throwing batting practice, and he did again today. I was just Googling Forrest Gump shrimp speech so I could just <laughs> recreate what the guy was doing with shrimp's name the whole game, but I'll just skip that. 
Lucas Giolito on the mound at the start here uh, struggled with his fastball command, couldn't locate his secondary pitches in that rough outing in City Field earlier this month, uh, sent down after that, made two minor league starts before he was called back up today, an error, a single, and a walk below the bases in the third, uh, potential triple play, as F.P. Santangelo pointed out there, when the pitcher popped up a bunt back to the mound. If Giolito had dropped it, you're not going to get an infield fly call there, so he could have conceivably dropped it, thrown to third, just trying to start a triple play there, but went for the easy out at first, which is probably a better idea. Uh, Will Myers hits a two-run single. Michael A. Taylor throws in to home there, allows the third run to score. When he throws up the, up the first baseline, Wilson Ramos throws the second to get an out there, but uh, the runner comes home, three-run score on that play, three to one at that point, a double by Alex Dickerson, a single by Schimpf, five-four in the fourth, uh, done after back-to-back walks below the bases at that point. Uh, I, I don't think it was necessarily a quick hook there. Uh, I'm still not quite sure how the command issues and the stuff with the secondary pitches was supposed to be solved by two minor league outings. Uh, I understand they couldn't bring uh, Ronaldo Lopez up back up. I think there was like five days left in the ten days after you send him down. Uh, they would have had to come up with an injury in order to have a reason to bring him back up, but Still not sure about the way the Nationals have handled Lucas Giolito here when he struggled in that second outing, and you openly talk about his issues to bring him back up two starts later and see him go through the same thing is a little bit frustrating. Well, it's obvious that Lucas Giolito isn't ready for the major leagues, and I think if you looked at his entire body of work um, in the minors this year, I think it's pretty obvious uh, from that that he's not ready. He's got an awful lot of talent. Um, he's obviously one of the top prospects in baseball, but uh, but combined this season in the minor leagues, you know he's still walking almost four four batters per nine innings, uh, and, and this is across uh, you know three levels in the minor leagues, let alone bringing him up to the major leagues. He just his, his fine tuned command isn't there yet, and um, he and he's sort of being rushed into. Um, into this idea of being a spot starter here down the stretch until they can get Joe Ross back in the rotation. Um, he gave up seven base runners in three and a third innings. Uh, that's just simply not getting the job done. And this, um, you know, I wrote a column at the beginning, you know, during during the, the spring training about the Nats not having uh, stockpiled major league pitching talent in the minor leagues. And a lot of times they'll stash a, a you know, an older an older starter who. Um, you know, who might not be rotation ready. I mean, might, might not be, uh, um, you know, a guy that you want to depend on to pitch all season long, but a guy that you certainly can uh, call up during the season to make these type of spot starts. Um, like the Nats did with Ross Ollendorf a couple of years ago, they just didn't have anybody uh, in Syracuse to, to, to fill that role. They expected that role to be filled by the, the, the legitimate prospects they have, Lucas Giolito, um, Reynaldo Lopez, you know, they had Austin Voth, the AAA, um, you know, A.J. Cole, who's just had a forgettable season to AAA, they expect, the Nats expected that those guys would be the ones that they would call to um, were there any problems in, in the starting rotation. Um, the Nats were, were fortunate that they hadn't had any trouble up until, um, you know, the past month or so when Joe Ross got hurt. Um, but, but again, I, I go back to, to what I wrote earlier there, is that they were rolling the dice, uh, that they were going to live with five healthy starters all season long, and, and it has obviously gone to um, shown you know shown true that that, that Giolito Lopez um, they're not ready for the major leagues. The, the, the you know they have a combined eight or nine starts at AAA between the two of them, 
um, you know, you can be the best prospect in the world, and making the jump from double A to the major leagues is a lot different than making the jump from low A to double A. That being said, and I assume you'll agree, they're both 22-year-old starters. Uh, this isn't a reflection of what's going to happen in the future. I'm not all of a sudden deciding that every scout in the country was wrong about Giolito and he's not the prospect we thought he was, as I've seen some people on the Internet contend. Uh, I think it just might be too soon for them to be coming up and getting in. Uh, Padres aren't necessarily a great team, but they are major league hitters, and uh, the seasoning or whatever you want to call it might just not be there at this point for either of those guys. And they're getting pressed into action. Uh, Mike Rizzo talked recently about how uh, missing a few innings and starts here for Joe Ross might be a blessing in disguise going down the stretch, but for right now it's created a hole in this uh, rotation that they can't necessarily fill. Yeah, you know, Giolito turned 22 last week. You know, this isn't a guy that, that is in his year 22 season. He's, um, you know, he's, he's four years removed from high school, um, you know, so so he's got that going. But that, that also includes, you know, missing an entire season due to injury. This is a guy that has logged very few minor league uh, games and innings. I mean, he's pitched in a total of 69 games in the minor leagues, um, and, you know, and, and he's encompassed three different levels of the minor league this year. So it's just it, it's 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 tough to see people. And, and again, this goes to the immediacy of you know the the, the fan base. Um, you know, just they expect him to come up and 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 be Steven Strasburg right off the bat. When when that just doesn't happen, you know, in the majority, the the you know the absolute majority um, of cases here. I mean, we just saw today that, that Ken Griffey Jr. was elected to the Hall of Fame. He is the only first. He's the only number one overall pick to make the Hall of Fame. You know, people expect first-round picks to come up and automatically be all-stars, automatically be Hall of Famers, and it doesn't happen that way. And and for for a fan base to be turning on a kid who was who was the, the unanimous and overall overwhelming uh, top right-handed pitching prospect in baseball is stupid. And if you're a fan listening to this show and are, is giving up on Lucas Giolito because of the three starts that he had right now, you are stupid. Don't insult the listeners. Uh, a few notes before we get into the trade talk. I, I did like Trey Turner at the top of the order, two for five, two runs scored. I also liked uh, Daniel Murphy and Wilson Ramos, three and four in the order. Uh, Murphy, three for three, two runs scored, two doubles, two RBIs. Ramos, three for four with a just massive 455-foot home run. Uh, obviously, Bryce Harper not in the lineup, so I'm not sure how, that's, how they're going to handle things going forward uh, when he's back in the mix in there, but... As for today, I like the top of the order and the three and four spots that uh, Dusty Baker put together. Yeah, it's great. Um, you know, between Turner, Murphy, and Ramos, they had uh, eight of the nine Nats hits. Um, but, but again, that's the problem. They had eight of the nine Nats hits. I mean, um, Rendon O for three, Heisey O for four, Taylor O for four, Espinosa O for four. Um, you know, the, the last three spots in the Nats order today, 227, 222, and 226. Um, we can talk all about the three weeks that Danny Espinosa had where he looked like uh, the second coming of Babe Ruth or Troy Tulowitzki or whoever you want to say at shortstop. But uh, the fact of the matter is he's now, you know, like four for his last 40 or whatever. Um, you know, you just you can't get it done when you're only getting offense from three players on your team, and that was um, that was the case today. The Nats uh, bunched their runs up there in the, in the third inning and then um, and, and then and then stopped hitting. And, and when 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 three players on your team are getting eight or your nine teams, nine hits. 
um, that you just can't sustain uh, any offensive attack that way. Before we wrap up, just two quick notes. Uh, bad news for Aaron Barrett, who suffered a fractured elbow while rehabbing from Tommy John surgery. He was a long shot to make it back and make an impact at all this season, was aiming for September anyway, but that's certainly a setback for him. going to go talk to Dr. James Andrews, according to reports, and best of luck to Aaron Barrett. He's a good dude, and to have that happen is really tough for him, especially as late as he was in the process of returning to Tommy John, but uh, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, and then I swear I'll let you go within the next minute or so since we're over our usual 15 minutes, uh, Keith Law. There's a lot of reports out there today about the Nats' pursuit of a bullpen arm. Keith Law, citing uh, his sources, told them that uh, it was going to take something like Eric Fetty, Coda Glover, and another prospect to get Chapman away from the Yankees. The reports are saying the Nationals have kind of fallen behind in that uh, race with other teams putting together better offers for them. Uh, if that's what they're going to give up, uh, I hope Rizzo walks away. And if he really wants Chapman, tries to sign him as a free agent this winter, as ridiculously expensive as that's going to be. But uh, your thoughts about going into this, uh, do they go to that second tier of uh, controllable relievers that Rizzo's fond of getting all the other time? Because I just I can't see giving up that for a two-month rental and the possibility of signing him to an extension. Well, for me, it all depends on what that third prospect was going to be. If, if it's Lucas Giolito, or, or if it's uh, Mario Ravana Rivera Jr., um, that, that's a big difference there. You know? um, as, far as, I, as far as I'm concerned, you know, Eric Petty is a really good pitching prospect. Um, if you can move him for, uh, for a controllable piece for a couple of years, I don't think that's necessarily that bad an idea. If you could bring in a Wade Davis type who's, who's, got, who's got a couple more years, uh, reasonable years on his contract, um, I think that might be a useful move. But, um, you know, Coda Glover, uh, he's had a meteoric rise through the Nets organization this season, uh, but the bottom line is that he's going to be a middle reliever. Um, you know, I just, you know, you, you include him in, in a deal like that, if it's a deal that, that's going to solidify your chances of, of, you know, advancing through the playoffs this year. Um, but if it's, if it's, you know, like I said, if it's, if it's Eric Fetty and Victor Robles, uh, absolutely not. If, if it's uh, Eric Fetty, and, uh, you know, I don't know, one of the key booms, um, maybe you think about it. But, uh, you know, if you're talking about, you know, this guy and this guy and another prospect, um, it all depends on what that other prospect is. But, again, and like I said last night, um, Chapman wouldn't be my first choice to go out and, and get. Uh, I think he adds as, much, as many problems as uh, solutions that he brings. He's obviously a, a tremendous talent on the field. Uh, brings a lot of baggage off, uh, brings a very um, uh, distinct personality, uh, if you will, at the back of the bullpen. And, and considering the, the, the personality that, that's there now, I think you're just adding uh, you, you, the, the possibility of the friction that that could add uh, would be double what it was last season when they added Papelbon originally. Matt Knightley, sponsored by federalbaseball.com. Nationals 58 and 41 after the loss. A day off tomorrow. Everyone can calm down and get ready for this series with Cleveland in Cleveland, which should be fun. And then it's just late night Nats time out in San Francisco. Talk to you after tomorrow's game, sir, or Tuesday's game. Sounds good. So I guess that's going to happen.